Tonight, as Bryson said earlier, we're thinking about Connect. But in order to um, think about Connect tonight, I want to start off thinking about being disconnected. Because I wonder if at times that you have perhaps felt disconnected from other people. When we move to a new town like Sydney, or a new job, or a new course of study, or a new school, or a new church, we can feel disconnected for a time, can't we? In fact, we don't even have to move to experience that. We can feel disconnected from friends and from family just because of things happening in our lives. We can even be in a crowded room like tonight and yet feel disconnected from people right next to us. We can even be in a marriage, can't we? And we feel disconnected from the very person who we're married to. It's as if as human beings we were made to connect with other people and we know that and we desire connection and so disconnection can bring so much pain. But the disconnection we face with each other is nothing compared to being disconnected from God. Because our disconnection from God goes much deeper than just not communicating or not having time for him. The Bible says that in our natural state, we are each deeply disconnected from God. So tonight we're thinking about connect, but in order to understand what it is to be connected with God, we firstly have to understand what it means that we're disconnected from God. Have a look with me right in the middle of the passage that was read, 2 Corinthians 5, but I want to really narrow in on verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The word that comes up four times in just those two verses is reconciled, reconciliation. Reconciled simply means enemies being made friends again. Now, for our church, uh, we could have gone reconciled, grow, serve, but um, reconciled is not so friendly to people from outside of church, so we've gone with connect. Indeed, connect does come up in the New Testament once when talking about us and Jesus. You might like to work out where that is yourselves and report back to me next week, just once. Um, Sorry, connect, that is. Reconciled is a very rich word and it comes up lots of times and I think the Bible prefers the word reconciled because it has within it the idea that something has gone wrong. You only need reconciliation when there's two people fighting. It emphasises the the terribleness of the disconnectedness we have with God and indeed something has gone terribly wrong between us and God. God's the one who made us. God's the one who owns us. We saw that last week. We were reminded that we should live every minute of every day for him. But we don't, do we? We run our lives our own way. We reject God. We ignore the way that he tells us to live in the Bible. We live at times as if God does not exist. We treat God as nothing. And that is no small thing. We have disconnected ourselves from God by disobeying him, and that makes him angry. 
very angry. But it's not just like a schoolboy losing his temper angry. This is not like God saying, I'm going to pat up my, pack up my bat and go home if you're not going to play by my rules. This is rightfully angry. And by that I mean God is rightfully angry at the way that you and I wrongly treat him. And indeed that anger of God, although it's being held back now, will be expressed on the, fully on the day of judgment. And in fact, if you rewind back in the passage all the way back to verse 10, which was the verse before what was read, we read about that day of judgment. Have a look at 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 with me. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. See, not only did God make us and not only does God own us, he will also one day judge us. And if you're disconnected from God, nothing could be worse than standing before his judgment throne. In fact, that's what Bryson said last week, didn't he? There's nothing more important than knowing Jesus. There's nothing more serious than not knowing Jesus. And it's only when you understand that, it's only when you understand the horror of what it might mean to face God unforgiven, only then can you appreciate how wonderful it is to have the possibility of being connected with God again. And that's what Paul talks about in verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul's talking to Christians here when he says us, and he's saying that Jesus Christ has reconciled us. In other words, God made us who were once his enemies his friends again. He explains it a bit more in verse 19. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. When I got the car registered last year, I discovered the whole online registration thing. You know, instead of going down to the RTA and standing in the queue, you can get your pink slip online, your green slip. It all kind of goes magically into the one spot on the RTA website. You pay your credit card and you stick your register sticker on your car. And um, I was quite intrigued by it. I was just kind of poking around the RTA website, having a look. And I found this option there to order a driving record that listed all your past driving offences. Now, I don't know why, but I had this vague idea somewhere someone had told me that after five or ten years, your offences are gone. They're kind of deleted off the computer. So being the optimistic person that I am, I paid the $19 because I wanted to see my if they were really expunged. And I ordered the driving record thinking maybe by now it was clear. When I got it, four pages. <laughs> now, it's not as bad as it sounds. The first page was the, um, you know, thank you for ordering it and here it is. But when you get to it, it's rather long. 1989, negligent driving, 1993, not wearing a seatbelt. It goes on for 20 years worth of driving offences. God could list and add up all the things that you've done wrong against him. God could tally them all up and count them against you. 
a whole lifetime's worth of offences against him. Every lie that you've told, every time you've been selfish, every lustful thought that you've had, every time you've gossiped about someone, every time you've been jealous, I could go on. God could count your sins against you and punish you for them. And that would be right. That would be what you deserve. But in verse 19, it says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. That's a staggering verse. God is not counting people's sins against them. How does that work? Where did they go? Verse 21. God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now again, this verse is not talking about everyone. The us here is Christians, followers of Jesus. Paul is talking to followers of Jesus in this letter and he's saying that when Jesus died on the cross, he took the sin of everyone who would follow him. He became sin for us. He took God's anger for us. Now, with the RTA, it seems I can never get my record cleared. If I wait long enough, I can get points back so I can keep on driving, but I still have a list of offences in the computer. But when we put our trust in Jesus, our list of offences against God is taken away. It's not counted against us. It's pinned on Jesus. And we are given a clean slate. That's why being connected to Jesus is such a great thing. All your sin is paid for. But more than that, in verse 17, Paul calls it becoming a new creation. It's like starting life all over again. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. See, when you come to Jesus, you go from being God's enemy to being his friend. You go from being under God's judgment to being forgiven. Your sin is not counted against you. And all this, the passage says, is from God. It's a free gift. It's not anything that we earn or do. Look at verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Now, it might be that you're here tonight and you're not yet a Christian, and if that's you, I hope you're listening to this message here tonight. Because this is for you. Verse 20, in particular, is addressed directly to you. Listen to it. It says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you... On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is an invitation, this is an appeal that God is right now making to you if you're his enemy. I'm not making this appeal to you, although if you became a Christian, I would be excited by that. But it's not me, it's God making this appeal to you. We urge you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In other words, you're his enemy, but he wants you to be his friend. 
And look, it doesn't matter how long you've been coming along to church, uh, a long time or whether you're new. It doesn't matter whether you were brought up in a Christian home or whether this is kind of, you're hearing it for the first time. Everyone needs to be reconciled to God. You don't just become a Christian through osmosis. It's not like if you hang around Christians long enough, you just kind of become Christian by association. You don't become a Christian by learning to talk and act like people that you know who are Christians. Everyone here tonight who is a follower of Jesus has got to a point in their life where they've said, this is it. I know it's true. I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus has died for me and I want to take that step. I want to become a Christian. I want to be friends with God. And then they've done it. They have asked God to forgive them and they have started life all over again. And if you have never done that, then do it now. We implore you, beg you, urge you, give your life over to Jesus. Ask God to forgive you. Start living with Jesus as your king. God is offering you a deal. It's a good deal. Take it. All your sin gone. Friends with God again. Do it tonight. But maybe you're here tonight and you are a Christian and for us who are followers of Jesus, what's clear from this passage is that if you understand the gospel, you will pass it on. Look at verse 11 again. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. Now just look at the logic of that verse. Now that we understand the gospel ourselves, therefore we will tell others. Since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men, people. There's something wrong, I think, if you don't talk to other people about it. Let's just say tomorrow Country Energy rings you up, and this, I've totally made this up, so please don't, of course this is made up, and just say Country Energy ring you tomorrow and say that there's a gas leak in your street and the entire street, whatever your street name is, insert it here, is going to blow up. And you've got an hour or two to not get in your car because someone told me after morning church that the illustration didn't work because if they got in their car, it would blow up the street. So you're not going to get in your car. You are going to walk. You're not going to light any matches. You're not going to smoke. There's gas everywhere. You're going to walk up the street and get out. You have to evacuate. But Country Energy, they're low on people to ring you. They want to do this really efficiently. So they're only ringing every second house. You have to warn the people next door before you go. Are you going to do it? Of course you are. There'd be something terribly wrong if you did not warn the people next door. Even if you hated your next door neighbour and were squabbling over the fence, you'd still warn them. God has given us a warning far bigger than that. We're talking about eternity under the judgment of God. We know there's a judgment day coming, so we're going to do everything we can to convince people in the meantime to follow Jesus. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade people. It's not some optional extra like buying a car. I'll, I'll take following Jesus and the church option. Yeah, I'll take that. That looks good. The small groups, mm, yeah, righto. Talking to people about Jesus, no, that's not my style. I'll leave that on the shelf. That's not how it works. 
if you do not have a burden for lost people, something somewhere along the track went wrong. You've got to go right back to basics and start again because becoming a Christian and then wanting other people to know about Jesus, they're so closely linked you can't separate them. And in fact, they're so closely linked in this passage, Paul can't mention one without the other. And that's the whole point of this passage. If you rightly understand the gospel, you'll share it with people. Look at verse 11 again. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade people. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us. In other words, it controls us, it constrains us. There's nothing else we can do. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. It's like because of what Jesus has done for us, there's no choice about it. We simply have to tell other people. Verse 16, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. In other words, we don't care about people's jobs or their bank balance or their house or their car. All we care about is whether they know Jesus or not. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. See, God is on about bringing people to himself. And he wants us to be on about that too. And that's why at Dubbo Presbyterian Church we're going to be talking a lot about connecting. Connecting people to God through Jesus. And that's a great thing. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The very message of God's love that has so wonderfully saved us, God wants us to take that message into the world, not, not to leave it here sitting on a Bible on a seat. God wants us to take that message into the world so that through us he can save others. Fitz Chrysler was a, a famous violinist. He died in 1962. On one of his trips, he found an exquisite violin. It was just the most perfect violin that he'd seen. But he didn't have enough money to buy it because even though he earned a lot of money from his performances, he gave most of it away to charity, so he wasn't particularly wealthy. But when he saw this particular violin, he went away and he raised the money to buy it. And he went back to the seller to buy it, only to discover that the violin had already been sold to a collector. So Chrysler got the name of the person who'd bought the violin. And then he went and visited the new owner and he offered to buy the violin. But the new owner said that the violin was simply the, the best one in his collection and there was no way that he was going to sell it. Chrysler was deeply disappointed, but just before he left... He asked if he could play the violin just once and then put it back in the collection. He was given permission and he played it and he played it so beautifully, the incredible violin that it was, and the owner was so moved by hearing the violin played that he said to Chrysler, I have no right to keep this violin to myself. Mr Chrysler, it's yours. Take it into the world. Let people hear it. God has committed to you the wonderful message of reconciliation. 
We have no right to keep it to ourselves. Let's take it into the world so people can hear it. Let's pray. Father, it seems that whether we're new Christians or whether we've been following Jesus for a long time, every time we come back and look again afresh at the gospel, Father, truly we marvel at it. At your incredible mercy to us, people who simply do not deserve it. So thank you, Father, that even though each one of us was at one time your enemy, that we've been made your friends through Jesus. And if in fact there's people here tonight who that's not true of, we pray that they would put their trust in Jesus and be reconciled to you. And for the rest of us, Father, we pray that this is not a message that we would keep to ourselves, but the same passion that you have for lost people, we would have it too. Please give us boldness, confidence and joy as we take your message of reconciliation to the world. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.